Happy Tuesday. Good morning, everyone. You know what? It's 4-7. It's 4-7 day. Ta-da! Ta-da! So around these parts, we say April the 7th. In other countries, they say the 7th of April. Right. But today, they're wrong. Well, no, then it's just Hebrew, right? But, uh, whatever. But... But it's four seven. We have to celebrate four okay, seven. So it's not convenient if it's the seven okay, four. So it's, a, it's just it's not wrong. It's just yeah, different. Yeah. Okay. But, but yeah. we get to celebrate yes. the, that it's April the seventh. Isn't that lovely? We do. Yeah. Four seven. So if that feels confusing to anyone, we are Blue Flame forty seven. That's right. And so. This is our day that we are so happy about. Yeah, and next week we have our. 10th birthday as Blue Flames, so we had um, had it in our heart to, to make a really big deal about a few things, and so one of those was the 4-7 four, the day in our, you know, right as we're coming to our 10th birthday, and uh, so of course, you want to just do a reminder on the 4-7? Yeah, um, you know, can you believe it actually was... 11 years ago, but we, we, when we went to Colorado on that trip, that was 2009, mm-hmm. June of 09, and I took picture 147 at 1047 in the morning of a person born in 1947 while wearing pants by the brand Element 47, and it ended up being 47 degrees outside, and... Uh, we sang that song that Toggle and I wrote together about um, Job 38, which ended up being a whole Antarctica connection we didn't know about but found out about a few months back, mm-hmm. <laughs> called Hail, and all about the snow and hail. And then we drove from the mountain house back to Greeley, Colorado, and um, found that our hotel was right next to the corporate headquarters of radio station 104.7. Yeah. And, uh, and we got to the restaurant next to the hotel, and the green grass in June was white because it had hailed the entire time that we were driving in. And um, we got a text from our ground control that said, Papa says you need to read Psalm 147. And uh, we fell out of our chairs and didn't know it hit us. So um, that's when Papa said that um, 47 was all about the completing and the maturing of the gates and the womb. And that, um, that this generation would be a generation of maturity. And yeah. so 47. Yeah, and in Hebrew it's Dalet Zayin. Right. It's uh, it's Zayin Dalet. I right. Think. But yes. I, I see. That's why I said right because I knew that's right. I didn't get that. It's that whole right Hebrew order. English. It right. all works in the end. Which means the perfecting of the gates. That's right. The perfecting of creation. The all of those glorious things. Really unlocking gates. That's so right. that's right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we we sent an email last night and we want to put the invitation out here as well. Um, So, this is the reason we have four to sevens before our land missions. And so, for many, many years, it was always four to seven a.m. And uh, 
gotten creative since then and still mostly 4 to 7 a.m. but we've had some 4 to 7 p.m.s but that was just the the time line that Papa marked out for us to just you know it was a time we could set apart as sacred to hear him and respond to him and just believe the most incredible impossible things that he wanted to do we began to believe them in those four to sevens and then we enacted them what we believed on the land missions still do and so uh, we put a an email out and so we put it out uh, send us if you have a testimony from a four to seven that you've been part of or just a favorite moment of a four to seven you're part of we want to hear those and we'll we're going to do something we are not technology good but we are very creative and so we're going to come up with something that's so true yeah we are not proficient in our technology <clears throat> we are we? really not and that's okay yeah there's nothing wrong with that yeah you know i think my favorite four to seven mm-hmm. um was actually in Cyprus mm, in the year mm. 2013. And it seemed like that was not the, but maybe the, but one of the first 4 to 7 p.m.s that we did. And what I loved about it um, was as we were all together and Papa moved and, and it was like someone turned on a light switch. We just mm-hmm. heard things and it cascaded and it was machine gun. You know, we were, we were just hearing from him. Thank you, Jack. We were just hearing from him so rapid fire. And we filled these grease boards with um, all the things Papa was saying. And we had these incredible um, missions we got to do based upon what God said. So I just love it when we're all together. Those are the, my yeah. favorite four to sevens. Yeah, and that was our first time to get to do it um, out like we'd always done the four to sevens before we went somewhere and that was the first time we'd really done it live real time with with the family we had gone to um one of my favorites is it will you know I just still love the very first ones we did and again we were I I think my favorites have always been when we were actually gathered um for him but there were six of us and we would actually go either to one of our houses or um, I remember being at our house or being at Idge's house or we'd go to a place where we were meeting at the time and uh, we'd be in our pajamas and we'd have our blankets and <laughs> slippers and we just came like it wasn't going to be seven when we were done, you know, it'd be daytime when we were done. But And we would just, uh, we'd just lay and we didn't turn on music very rarely and we just sat silent honestly we we laid silent a lot and we would (laughs) just rest it was such a place of rest and and each time we heard something it was like the most marvelous morsel you know it was just like we had just gotten the greatest treasure and we still feel like that during the four to sevens but that was the birthing of it and just still remember those moments so fondly and uh and one of my favorite like testimonies it became a testimony to us kind of in a a Passover kind of situation where somebody recounted their testimony and I've just lived it I think since then and so we were in Chula Vista Mm -hmm. and uh we had 
done our land missions and we had um, actually, the the group there had done a four to seven to prepare for us. So we had done our four to seven to prepare to go, but they did one to prepare for us. It was really lovely. And um, so at the end, after we'd done the missions, we'd done our recap and the pastor there asked, just what testimonies do you all have from this time that we've had together? And, um, and a lot of people were sharing things from the missions, you know, just, oh my gosh, this lined up and that was amazing. But a woman got up and said that the four to seven had changed her life Mm. because for the first time she knew she wasn't alone. Mm. And she was in community, so she, you know, she had that, but like in the way she was hearing and the way she was experiencing and things she had known, it was just, and she just was weeping as she shared it. And I've never forgotten that. Every time I get to be part of a four to seven, I remember we're not alone. And it's like, I know that every day, but that moment where these things I'm seeing and experiencing and hearing like other people are weird too. (laughs) No, we're, we're really together. We're woven. And I always remember that and recount that during four to sevens. Um, we sent the email last night and I wasn't expecting that we would actually get anything of a four seven memory, but, um, we did. So (laughs) this is from the lovely praise. And so she was just saying she didn't have a specific four to seven in mind. It was just kind of like the collection of being part of four to seven. So she was remembering the tired mornings. Um, so, um, when the alarm would sound right, right before four, and, you know, you just reach for your phone with blurry eyes and the, the lights coming out and everything while you sit up in bed. And so this was before Threaded when we here, we would actually all text harp and whistle, you know, in this case, praise, checking in. I'd be like, Ma, checking in. We would all send our, we're up. We really are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she said, um, you know, praise, checking in, or I'm up to harp and whistle, <clears throat> emailing the breadcrumbs in and knowing harp and whistle were so diligently getting them together and then sending out a list of threads all at once and how exciting it was to read those and see how Papa was weaving us together in a story of redemption. My love for those mornings are similar to my love for the tent. It was how I began doing four to sevens, and those mornings rest fondly in my heart because it was the beginning. Mm. Oh, so agree. So lovely. And then uh, she shared another. Um, she's like, I only have a mem- one memory of an afternoon four to seven. <laughs> and uh, I have the one I have is one that took place at the corner where Letty promptly threw up all over everything. <laughs> LOL, not a great memory. But no one was mad. Even though it interrupted the four to seven, everyone helped clean everything up while I cleaned Letty. So even though it was gross, I remember that four to seven being precious because our family is so loving. Mm. That just, oh, so sweet. You know, that's an inheritance that um, I'm, I'm, I love, I'm going to take hold of, and that is that all of our memories now get to be fond. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just a sign of redeemed history. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Like in our 10-year threshold that mm-hmm. we cross next week, that one of the things, an inheritance that we get to take a hold of is that all of our memories would be fond. Yeah. You know, because I think a lot of us have been carrying memories that aren't fond. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know, and I don't mean blue flame. I mean everything. Right, right, I mean, everywhere. I mean, yeah. across the board life. Right. But, but, you know, maybe it's time for us to live the redeemed history life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that would be so redemptive for us. Yeah. Every memory could be fond. Yeah. Wilderness is necessary and the wilderness <clears throat> is where the knot is fond you know, right. memories come from, from mm-hmm. those come from those places where we had no idea what we were doing until he came and made it known and and we made mistakes and messes and we loved each other through it. Like that is such a fond memory of loving each other through things. Love that so much. And here we are now. We've been we've had our exodus and we're not in exile anymore. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> something that Papa's saying to me today, um, and this is kind of a roundabout for a very simple thing, but um, one of the things that really is standing out from last week's podcast this week mm. is um, that um, salvation comes from covenant. And this is something we've been saying for a long time, but Mm -hmm. maybe not really uh, unpacked and dissected down to the Mm -hmm. finer points. But really, that that is so amplified from last week. And and we're going to get somewhere with this, but just quickly, that to understand that salvation comes from a covenant, which is choice, that salvation is, is a choice that we make to receive the uh, the unconditional love of God, mm-hmm. and um and as we grow in relationship, reflect it back, you know through our exhales, mm. but um, but that if salvation comes from covenant, what we learn in Pesach, is that covenant comes from purification, and so the blood of the lamb, mm. the whole point of the blood of the lamb was to provide the purification that allowed for the covenant. And this is where the whole world got tripped up. Everybody stopped at purification. And, um, and it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I just remember, you know, our history of these last 10 years. At the beginning, we spent more time explaining to people what covenant was because mm-hmm. nobody knew what covenant was. Yeah. And, and so let me re- restate that. Nobody knew what true salvation was because nobody knew what covenant was. And, and covenant is salvation. Salvation comes from covenant. If you, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that whoever believes has eternal life. What, what he's saying is, is any person who believes, any person who chooses to receive the unconditional love of God receives the covenant. So that's where all the Bible verses we talked about last week, mm-hmm. Exodus 24 Moses said, this is the blood of the covenant. So it was all about the covenant with God. And blood was the seal of the covenant because that purified us to be able to enter into the covenant. So then in Luke twenty two twenty, when Jesus said, my blood is the blood of the covenant, ta-da, you know, <laughs> now we have Jesus 
providing the purification so that we can enter into covenant. But it's so um, <clears throat> it's so seminary Christianity to stop at purification and say um, we have pure we have salvation because of purification. <laughs> And it's like, no, 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 no. We have a covenant because of purification, but we have salvation because of the covenant. And so it's a completely different mindset of who God is. Mm-hmm. You go from the God of you're a sinner and mm-hmm. and and you're and you're you're a nothing, but 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 you know, we go to God to be forgiven so that we have heaven. And that whole mindset of a heaven and hell God, which doesn't mean that there's not heaven, and it doesn't mean that there's not a burning lake of sulfur. It's all about covenant, though, instead of this God who thinks so poorly of us mm-hmm. and we have to go grovel at his feet, mm-hmm. all the, you know, instead of, instead of having the relationship of a God who is love. Now it's all about intimacy. So if you stop at purification, you will misunderstand salvation because you're missing the covenant. You're missing the relational intimacy. And then the fullness of that, you know, that we can stop as servants, we can stop as friends, we can stop as children, or we can go all the way to oneness and the the covenant of oneness, which the, the Bible describes as the bride of Christ. That's mm-hmm. that's the wedding of the Lamb of Revelation 19, 7. And the oneness of Revelation 19, verse 10, that occurs when we and Jesus become one, just as Jesus and the Father becomes one. So we've been through all that a hundred times, but it's just glorious Mm -hmm. to see that Pesach is that point. So what Papa's saying to me today is that um, in this shaking and sifting that's taking place right now, in the world right now, and this is an online real-time event that's taking place here on... uh, April the 7th, 2020, we're in a global pandemic and mm-hmm. there is a shaking, there's a sifting that's taking place. And what Papa said to me is that this, this Pesach mm-hmm. is a monumental transition in the shaking and the sifting. And so this is our time to get our high glory on <laughs> and really, really embrace Pesach. So I'm begging every person who's listening to this podcast, hopefully before tomorrow, um, <laughs> but, you know, or at least before the next couple of days, hopefully you'll hear it and know this is a <clears throat> monumental moment for us all in embracing Pesach because this is the transition. And if you look at Amos 9, which was from last week, mm-hmm. Amos 9, the sifting and the shaking, that um, that it is nine, but then there's like a, a, a triple header that comes after it. And so the, the shaking is what's taking place. Now we enter into Pesach. Well, how many holy days are there? High holy days. There's three. There's, and, and it's a seasonal thing because obviously the, the unleavened bread is a week, but, you know, and, and, and the fall feasts are longer than a week. But, but what we're looking at right now is three events, three high holy days, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Um, or we can say Passover, Pentecost, and uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. Mm-hmm. Whatever you feel more comfortable with. But, um, but you have three high holy days, and you have three verses in Amos 9 that are upon us. So we're going to look at these as from the sh- shaking and, sh- and, sh- and sifting. We have verse 11, which is the transition, right? Because it's 11. And it's restore, repair, and rebuild. Mm-hmm. And what is God restoring, repairing, rebuilding? David 
So David is the house of David. That's our royal priesthood of 1 Peter 2, 9. Mm-hmm. We're royal priests. Uh, Revelation 5, 10, they're kings and priests, mm-hmm. which is the Basilius authority to rule a kingdom. Back to deep breath, back to Daniel 7, and that is the authority to rule and reign. And who does that? According to Daniel 7, the saints. So that's that part of us that completes Jesus. So um, verse 11, we're going to restore, repair, rebuild David. So that's the house of David, the royal Sukkah, which is the tabernacle or the, the, the booth. It's the safe place that we're mm-hmm. going to rest in. So that's our first of three. Then our second of three is verse 12, where we possess or inherit, or inherit nations and then verse 13, where the reaper overtakes the plowman. Mm-hmm. So we have these three events that take place after the sifting. And so not only do we get to embrace the inheritance of, um, of fond memories, praise God, you know, redeemed history, we also get to embrace this transition now from the shaking and the sifting. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to be able to see that, the, that what God has spoken for his people is that our um, our first line of this, the first high mm-hmm. holy day, if you will, is restore, repair, and rebuild the place of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so whether this is um, three in one year, or whether this is one a year for three years, or one, one every 10 years, I don't know. But the point is, is that we are now stepping into all three of these, and and that and that our embrace right now is the transition mm-hmm. that that this week is is you know and, and the news medias are saying this is the big week to pay attention to and mm-hmm. and how we'll pay attention to that is how will the people of god respond mm-hmm. and our response is in the transition we are transitioning into restore repair and rebuild our place of intimacy and isn't that exactly what the fruit of the pause is mm-hmm. is our intimacy that's what that's what papa's been saying for weeks now and um so so just having our eye on amos 9 and the the three verses that come from it just mm-hmm. like the three high holy days verse 11 verse 12 and verse 13 and um wow yeah all good news yeah it is and that what you said is gonna. I'm gonna reverse my order that I was gonna do things okay. in <laughs> Go real for quick, it. so it's okay. Um, but I, uh, yeah, Saturday we were watching one of the. Uh, we were watching the daily briefing, um, and the president was speaking, and that's when it was said like this week is just gonna be the week of weeks, and there's gonna be much death, and um, and that was it was hard. You know, and I did just have to cry for a bit over it and just, and then, and I had this moment where I was so grateful um, that he's allowed us to have a grief here. Like we've walked through different griefs together and we have the grief dunk and we, we have, he's so faithfully navigated us from grief to joy and how we step to that. So I had this just gratitude of all. It's like walking through our house and there's just things. Yes, or Sunday, I was looking for palms for Palm Sunday, you know, to just, I, my heart just so wanted to welcome him. 
And so, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, we don't have a palm tree and, uh, but we have this palm plant and I didn't like, I'm all out in the yard. Like what would be similar, you know, (laughs) to a palm? What do we have? You know, like last week, what do we have? We're just going to use what we have. And I come around, I looked outside and I was like, okay. And I'm just kind of thinking through, you know, I think this plant or this plant. And then I'm in our, our, this front room we have. And I open the curtains, I'm going to open the door. And I realize we have this palm plant. It's like these palm fronds or whatever you call it. And I just was like, It just, it was provided, and it would have been okay if we wouldn't have had exactly palm because I found something else that I was going to multiply from what we had. But then just, there are these moments where you see what he's provided. And so that was how I felt after hearing that briefing was, we're equipped, like we're ready. We're ready for whatever grief may come. And then that was quickly followed by Papas just said, what will you prophesy to this prediction? Mm-hmm. And, and that's just been rumbling in me since then. What will I prophesy to this prediction? And, and all I know to prophesy is who he is, who he is to me and what I've seen. And, and the Dayanus have begun already, but just, um, and so it led me back into Exodus and, you know, we had a word some years ago, watching where the 14s intersect. And so he just um, led me to Exodus 14, 14. And so the context of this is the, um, so the people who had been gathered in their homes, kind of um, set apart during the plagues that were so purposeful. They're set apart in their homes and they're not able to do all the things that they had been doing out in the community, but my goodness, they could do what was in their heart unto the Lord in their homes, mm. just like us. That's right. And so they have this set apart tide. It's just so incredible. So now they've been released back into, into the world in a way. They've come out of their homes and... Pharaoh has let them go, right. and uh, and I read in oral tradition that his um, expectation mm-hmm. was that they would get tangled up in the wilderness. Mm. So I don't know that that meant he thought they would get across the Red Sea somehow, but but he believed they would get tangled up in the wilderness. So here they are at the Red Sea, and... Um, and I've just, I've been so just arrested by the imagery of this is a precursor, but here they are at water, and I'm going to touch on that with something else in a minute, but here they are at water, and they haven't even gotten to this physical wilderness, but the wilderness in their hearts is being revealed. So it, the context is that they're, they're before the passing of the Red Sea, and in verses one through nine, they are murmuring and they are mad at Moses. They don't like how he's leading them. And they're mad at the Lord because of, you know, 
because of his goodness, really. They couldn't see that that time in their homes was a protection and a provision for them. And that the, the, the blood on the doorpost was a, a precursor and a prophecy for so many generations beyond them. And they're, they're, they're the generation of generations, you know, of really living out some things. And so they're murmuring. <laughs> they're not happy with the situation. They're afraid. All of their fear is coming out. And I think they, they had to have a reckoning that everything was going to look different now than it had. And, and I think we know that to be true. We're, we're just not going to live the same when we pass through this at all. And it's going to be incredible and beautiful and wonderful. And so here they are, and they're, they're grumbling and complaining, and then Moses brings comfort. And so one of the things that he says is that the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And after he says this, and this calm comes, this peace comes, and then a cloud comes between. So remember, it's not just they pass through the Red Sea. This cloud comes and blocks the view of the enemy. So here, Pharaoh, you know, we have to know the enemy is always preparing gallows for God's people. And we learned this in Purim, right? God always turns those gallows on the enemy. Always. He always does that. He always upends the plans and schemes of the enemy. Every time he does that. So this cloud comes. So this is before they've passed through. This cloud comes and they can't even be seen. They are completely covered in the house of God. And What's so amazing to me is this is the same thing we're being invited to right now. Before he opened the sea, he opened heaven. And he invited them to see above their circumstances. Like to see above where they were to who he was and what he could do. And then the sea is parted and they're birthed into um, the physical wilderness, they've already had it exposed in their hearts and, and they had it exposed some more, but the wilderness is the place where love is awakened, like true love, first love, real love, bridal love, you know, and that's what we're about to pass into, is that awakening mm. of our first love and not being, you know, I think that waterway is so significant because what Pharaoh believed was that they would get so overwhelmed by their circumstances that they would be swallowed up by the sea of circumstance that he would easily catch them and eliminate them. And God's plan has never been for his people to be eliminated and most certainly not because of distractions and dissuasions and deception and all of those things. And so I just feel like that's a real awareness for us, just with all you were saying. Mm -hmm. Like, it matters that we celebrate his goodness to us in this season, all of his provision, all of his protections, and that we, we don't grumble against his goodness. And when it feels like uh, 
you're confined or contained in some way. You're being carried. We're being carried to meet him in a moment of moments. And we don't want to miss that. Amen. So, <laughs> so what I was going to, the other thing that I wanted to share is just, just a little bit about the last Pesach that Jesus celebrated on earth and knowing he will not uh, celebrate that again until the feast of the wedding. Hmm. And uh, that's just so, like his faithfulness to us and to that is so astounding. So um, again, just in the imagery, I've been reading the Pesach story in, in the Gospels, um, Mark, Matthew, and Luke. And so I just came to one of the things that I've, I recognized in just this viewing of it was the importance of the room, the importance of the house, the importance of them being set apart for a time. And so um, in all the accounts, in all three of those accounts, it's a very specific place. It's this designated holy place that's ready to receive Jesus, ready to receive him and all that is to come. So not just him, but all that he is ushering in, you know, he is going to break open just days from then, like the Red Sea, you know, just be broken open and this, the fluid of his love released so that we could pass through and the enemy would be consumed. And um, so this room, he describes it as um, furnished and ready. It's already ready. And now uh, you get to prepare. So they come to him, the disciples come to him, which I think is amazing. And they're like, Lord, you know, teacher, rabbi, where, where do you want to celebrate the Seder? Like in the, in the um, original text, that word is used, Pesach and Seder and all of that matzah. It's all used when it speaks of the bread, it's matzah. And um, I mean, they're like, where do you want to do this? And so even though they didn't know the fullness of what he was stepping into, they knew things that were precious to him and they served him in that way. And they're they're just walking through the, the covenants as this Pesach is prepared. So they're like, where do you want to have the Seder? Where do you want to celebrate it? And so he tells them, go into the city and you'll meet a man who is carrying a jar of water. Follow him. I just love that. Here again is the water, the womb. You know, something is going to be broken open. Something is going to be poured out. And he's already said, all who are thirsty, come to me. So here's this imagery of if you're thirsty, go where I am. You know, go where I'm going to be. And so they do. They follow him. And, and it's interesting in each of the Gospels, there's a different way they say it to the man and it reveals like the servant, the friend and the inheritance. It's so amazing. But so um, they go and in, in Matthew, he actually names the person um, just so amazing. But um, so they go to this place already prepared for them. And, and then they go and they prepare the Seder. 
I, I was just so pierced by that. The disciples, they they roasted the lamb. They made the matzah. They, they pulled together those bitter herbs. They, I'm sure they had an egg. <laughs> they, uh, and they had that water. They had the water, um, the salt water, and they had the... Um, basin for washing the hands and just that cleansing like you're saying that purification the red sea was this big basin of purification you know and and they're going to be reminded of that through the ceremony and so they go and do that and they get everything ready for him still not understanding what he has made ready for them you know they're going to have that moment of you mean it's all provided. Um, and so if you have time, get a chance, just go and read each of the gospel accounts and see the different aspects of the four covenants in the, the Pesach. It's so amazing, but it it started with um, Jesus just reminding them people would be thirsty. They would need what the disciples would carry of him. And so then... We get to, um, in the book of John, it's telling the story of Pesach. And I just want to read it because the, the fullness of, there's a fullness of inheritance in it. There's our invitation. And um, I'll just read it. So this is John 13. It was just before the festival of Pesach. And Yeshua knew that the time had come for him to pass from this world to the Father. Having loved his own people in the world, he loved them to the end. Sorry. They were at supper, and the adversary had already put the desire, the desire to betray him in the heart. <sighs> he had already put the desire to betray him in the heart of Judas. Yeshua was aware that the Father had put everything in his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he rose from the table, removed his outer garments, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Then he poured some water into a basin, and I just believe it was the water from that jar that they found the man with, that that was the identifier. Um that that basin is where this water came from, you know, just, oh. So he poured some water into the basin and he began to wash the feet of the Talmudim, or the disciples, and wipe them off with the towel wrapped around him. He came to Peter who said to him, Lord, you're washing my feet? Yeshua answered him, you don't understand yet what I am doing, but in time you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Yeshua answered him, If I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Lord, Peter replied, Then not only my feet, but my hands and my head too. <laughs> Yeshua said to him, A man who has had a bath doesn't need to wash except his feet. His body is already clean. And you people are clean, but not all of you. He knew who was betraying him, and this is why he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, taken back his clothes, and returned to the table, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me Rabbi and Lord, and you are right, because I am. 
Now if I, the Lord and Rabbi, have washed your feet, you should also wash each other's feet. For I have set you an example so that you may do as I have done. So for I have set you apart. I have made you a standard so that you may do as I have done to you. Yes, indeed. I tell you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is an emissary greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And uh, just think, just with what you're saying, just that there's such a fullness in, of inheritance, like that we get to wash each other's feet. And that's become so powerful of a telling of a story, of our story, of Jesus' story, and the disciples' story to recount because we live it, because we've chosen to live that life of washing each other's feet. We don't create gallows for each other. We create space to recognize his goodness, and we, we do get to carry the fullness of forgiveness that Pesach brought. And... Um, it was so precious to Jesus to live that and to give that inheritance to the disciples. And there were so many things he could have said to them in those days. And we know he invited them to forgive. And then he gave this beautiful picture of what that looked like to wash each other's feet. Even the one who would betray him, his feet were washed. But he was not. He wasn't clean. He hadn't been um, he hadn't made that choice. He hadn't chosen the salvation, but they had. But even so, he demonstrated this unconditional love, unconditional inheritance, and um, unfor unconditional forgiveness that was available to the one if he would choose. And then the going forth, the commission for those who had chosen. So as we get to all celebrate the Seder, Pesach, I just, I am so purposed to carry that, to live that story, to live the story of the Exodus and to live most assuredly the story of Jesus in that Pesach, that the last one he had until he sups with us. And of course, in Revelation <clears throat> 320, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will enter his house and dine with him and he with me. He loves to come in, into our home, the place we create for him, and be with us. Yes, he does. Yay. Yay. So excited about this season. It's just, <clears throat> it's just incredible. And you know, they're always good. Mm -hmm. But this one... It's really good. Yeah. It's <clears throat> heavy in a good way. <laughs> yeah. So. It's full. The fullness of time. The fullness. You know, it's like um, fattening time, <clears throat> you know. This is a very fat time. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I do think we're preparing the calf for many returns. Even and, uh, yeah. Let's be grateful for his goodness and everything he's providing us. Amen. Right, we love you. Yes, we do. And we will see you soon. Yes, we will.